0: Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. We're in the middle of a series titled Letters, which is really just another word for epistles. And so we've been in the the book of Romans for the past two weeks. And this is the third week. We're going to be in the book of Romans, but we are jumping from Romans 4. Now we're going to find ourselves in Romans chapter 8, a fantastic, fantastic chapter of scripture. I think it's probably one of the most, if not the most loaded chapter in all the Bible. Almost every verse in Romans chapter 8 can be highlighted in your Bible. All right, It's one that you can even commit the entire chapter to memory if you need to. It's an amazing Amazing chapter. So, of course, we're going to start off in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 today, and then we fly from there. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of of sin and death. I'll read it again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. From the law of sin and death. The title of my conversation today is Free Indeed. Free Indeed. Free indeed. Amen. So, we've been talking from the book of Romans. Um, like I said, Romans 1 all the way through chapter 8. And we talked about justification by faith. Um, we talked about the faith of Abraham, all right, a faith that obtains promises. We talked about Abraham's faith being a faith that obeys, not just obeys, but obeys fast. It's a childlike faith, all right. And that God said so is enough of a reason all right that's the highest level of faith and so we we jump on paul continues his conversation and he's still talking about justification you know saying that of course our we are made right with god by our faith in him and the righteousness of god has been imputed into us as followers of jesus christ and so in romans chapter 7 i mean romans chapter 8 and verse 1 he goes on to say this that there is therefore now whenever you see therefore you need to remember what was before, or you need to go back to what was before it because it's a reference to something. All right. There is, therefore, there has to have been something that was before. All right. And in Romans chapter 7, which was the preceding chapter of the book of Romans, Paul spends his time talking about the struggle, the later part of Romans chapter 8, chapter 7, of the struggle that he's having between. Um, his spirit and his flesh, that the things he wants to do, he cannot do. The things he doesn't want to do, that's the thing he, don't, he, he ends up doing. That he's struggling to do, to please God, to live right with God. All right, he's struggling to do all the spiritual things, to pray. I'm just, he didn't say that specifically, but I'm just, you know, I'm drawing an inference here to pray, to spend time with God, to read my Bible. I'm, st- I'm struggling to, you know, stay free from sin. I'm struggling with one thing or the other, the things that I don't want to do, the things that I hate to do. That's the stuff that I find myself doing. And Paul is, he's talking, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death? And so, right after that, he pivots, all right? After just the backdrop of that, you know, talking about his struggle and the conflict that he's having in his life. He pivots immediately to Romans chapter 8, and he says, with all that said, even though I'm struggling, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So I might not do everything right. I might not get it right all the time. I might be struggling a little bit, but there is still no condemnation to me. There is no condemnation. So he lands on a critical issue of condemnation, an ancient issue, all right, and yet a very modern issue, something that has plagued. People from the beginning of time, from Adam, believe it or not, until even our present generation, and will continue to plague people. Condemnation. Condemnation. Remember, I'm talking about free indeed. Free indeed, of course, free from condemnation, you can imagine. So what is condemnation? Condemnation, in the very literal sense, is a guilty verdict carrying a punishment. It's a guilty verdict. You've done something, you've been to court, and the court has decided that you are guilty, of the offense and you have been handed a a guilty verdict sometimes carrying a punishment you have been condemned so in bible times when they say someone has been condemned it really means that he's been sentenced all right maybe a prisoner has been condemned to die like the two thieves all right that were on the side of jesus when he was being crucified they were condemned along with him all right so condemnation is a guilty verdict carrying a punishment but in practice practice in the lives. You know, of Christians in your life and in my life, it manifests as a feeling of guilt, all right, shame, fear, regret, all right, or a feeling of worthlessness or unworthiness as a result of a sin or mistake that you have made. Say that again in practice, in the life of most Christians, this is not an exhaustive list, but you get it. All these guys and their ugly cousins, guilt, shame, fear regret, deep regret, a feeling of worthlessness or being unworthy, and as a result of a mistake or a sin that you have committed. And this is something that plagues every Christian. It can, sorry, plague every Christian. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how long you've been in the faith, no matter how fresh you are to the faith, whether you're a pastor or you just newly saved, whether you're not even saved or you're a bishop, it really doesn't matter because When you commit sin right um (laughs) the enemy tells you yeah god cannot use you god is disappointed in you um god cannot even stand to look at you right now he whispers all kinds of lies to you and because of the lies even though god has forgiven you in reality you carry this guilt this feeling of guilt and shame this baggage all right of regret and emptiness and unworthiness even Around you. If a pastor commits a sin, the devil tells him you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, shame on you. You should know better. All right, you're just a phony, you're pretending. Um, and you call yourself a man of God. And the, the deep sense of regret, a deep sense of guilt envelopes your heart. And many Christians, in my little experience as, as a pastor, I see a lot of people who struggle with condemnation. All right. Um, people struggle with even condemnation about, well, I've not just been praying in this season. I feel like I should be doing better. And that in itself has led to the feeling of condemnation. Um, I, f- I did something wrong. And I know that God is not happy with me right now. And so I have a feeling of condemnation. I have this baggage, this weight, this dark cloud looming over me because I made a mistake. Because I made a mistake. So lo- condemnation in practice, i say it again, manifests as f- a feeling of guilt, shame, fear, regret, a feeling of unworthiness, all right, as a result of a mistake that you have made in your dealings with God or a sin that you have committed. So condemnation is the equivalent of spiritual self-harm, all right, because it's you, the devil obviously being the source of it all, inflicting pain on yourself. It's you inflicting, you know, um, trauma, emotional trauma, and spiritual trauma in some cases on yourself. The devil is behind it, but he lets you do it for him. He lets the conscience that you have, he lets the spirit of God or the spirit that you have in your conscience prick you so much that you start to condemn yourself. You start to feel a sense of overwhelming guilt, All right, a sense of overwhelming regret, shame in some cases. It is spiritual self-harm, period. How do you know if you're struggling from con- with condemnation? How do you know that you, this is a problem that affects you? If you remember your sins easier than you remember God's grace, then you're probably dealing with a little bit of condemnation. If you're quick to remember your sins, but you are not quick to remember the grace of God, if you remember your sins faster and easier than you remember the grace of the one who died for you, then condemnation might be an issue in your life. If you spend more time praying for forgiveness of sins than praying for other things, condemnation might be an issue in your life. If you struggle to forgive yourself, you're dealing with, you know, you're struggling to to forgive yourself, to let yourself, to release yourself from things that you've done wrong. You know God has forgiven you. You know God has forgiven you, all right? You know, but you still feel the need to hold a grudge against your own self. So it's a kind of spiritual self-harm, like I said. Condemnation is the equivalent of this, practically practically speaking. It's, you know, a person who commits a crime. Let's assume that you, you know, I don't know. What's a crime that is acceptable? That's not acceptable crime, but you commit a crime. You, I don't know, you steal something. You stole a car or something, all right? Stole a car, you stole a Tesla, and they caught you. And you went to court and somehow you had a very good lawyer all right you hired um johnny cochran great lawyer legendary lawyers and put up a fantastic defense they were able to convince the judge that the reason why you stole the car you know was justified or something and for some reason you get off. the judge says okay this person is not guilty of the crime you're discharged and acquitted from court and you go all right you go home now because you know that you're guilty <laughs> and you're feeling guilty, you go home and you go and build a prison in your backyard and say, well, I deserve to be in prison, so I'm going to put myself in prison. So you go to prison and you sit there um, and lock yourself in a 4x6 or a 6x8 or 8x12, whatever, and say, I'm going to be here for the next three years because I deserve to be in prison. Even though the judge had let, has let me go, I should be in prison. I must serve up my prison sentence. That's what condemnation does. That's really... The practice of condemnation, that's how it plays out in our lives. So let's talk about a courtroom, for example. All right, stay with me. This is very good. This is really good. The Bible says to us in Genesis chapter 4, this is a story that we might know if you've been in church for a while, but for the benefit of those who are probably new to church, I'll give you a bit of a background. The Bible says that there were two brothers, Cain and Abel, and for some reason, Cain murdered his brother, Abel. All right? Cain brought an offering to the Lord, Abel brought an offering to the Lord, and the offering of Abel was accepted by God. The Bible says God had respect for the offering of Abel, but God rejected Cain. Cain was upset, and he was jealous. He was envious of his brother, so he killed him, all right? And when he killed his brother, the Bible tells us that God, God shows up on the horizon and sets up a court scenario. God starts to legislate over this particular issue, okay? And so let me just go ahead and jump. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4 from verse 8, the Bible says, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Now this is a court session. Where is Abel your brother? And he said to him, I do not know. He's killed him, remember. Am I my brother's keeper? So he's even been rude. He's been disrespectful to God. "Um, Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. You're cursed. All right? When you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a fugitive and a vagabond upon the earth. And Cain, listen now, this is a guy who's guilty. He's just murdered his brother. The Bible says that Cain says to God, my punishment is greater than I can bear. It's too much. This is too much. You've killed someone, but he says, my punishment is greater than, than I can bear. And the Bible says that surely you have driven me from the ground and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and so on and so forth. And it shall happen that whoever finds me will kill me. And God said to him, therefore, whoever kills cain vengeance vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold and the lord set a mark upon him lest anyone so scott god was merciful enough and says i'm not going to kill you you're not going to die you'll be a fugitive you'll be a vagabond like i said the earth will not yield its strength to you but i put a mark on you Cain, that whoever you know whoever sees you no one is going to kill you even though you're deserving of death because the old testament principle is an eye for an eye a life for a life i'm not going to kill you i'm a merciful god but you will suffer some consequences for your actions, all right? <laughs> but this is what condemnation does. Listen, and this is so good. In verse 16, the Bible says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, the east of Eden. So Cain, even though God had just you know, had a conversation with him in this courtroom, What condemnation did to Cain was that it drove him out of the presence of God. And that's what condemnation does. That's how it differs from conviction. Condemnation would drive you away from the presence of God. When you're feeling condemned, that's when you avoid church. When you're feeling condemned, then you don't go to connect groups because you feel like you don't deserve to be in God's presence or that God is mad at you. Cain left the presence of God. What conviction does, which is different, is that conviction drives you to God but condemnation drives you away from God. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Conviction comes from the Spirit of God, from the Holy Spirit. And the intent of the Holy Spirit in all cases is always to reconcile you to the Father. So you're convicted in your heart, but conviction leads to repentance. Condemnation leads to habitual sin. It drives you out of God's presence. You start hiding from God. And that's what Adam did in the garden of Eden, when god was coming in the garden the bible says he went hiding and god says where are you adam where are you i've said it before god is not the father you run away from when you have wronged him god is the father that you run to when you have wronged he is the one who opens his arms waiting for you just like in the story of the prodigal son or the lost son as the bible calls it who his father ran to meet with him and welcomed him back into the fold that's the god that we serve he's not a god who has a big stick and a hammer just hanging over your head and the moment you make a mistake he's ready to throw the sledgehammer on your head that's not the god that we serve cain went out of the presence of the lord but think about this court you have to understand this and this is extremely important the bible says that god is the judge and god is sitting over this particular prosecution and he's having a conversation with cain but the thing about a courtroom is that whenever, whenever you're in court, for a case to be established, you need an eyewitness's account or an expert witness, or in some cases, both. So an eyewitness is someone who saw or heard or witnessed the crime that was committed or witnessed your issues or whatever you did. An expert witness is someone who has competence in the area of discussion whose views or whose conclusions on an issue can be taken as evidence you have to be maybe a doctor or a psychologist or something someone who is a professional in the area of conversation those are the two types of witnesses that you commonly have in a court someone who saw you and can point you out and say yes that's the guy that i saw do that or a person who is an expert witness but in the court that was sitting here the bible tells us that there was another witness and this witness was called blood. That the blood of Abel was testifying against Cain. That the blood of Abel was speaking out against Cain. Because God said that your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. So in the court of heaven, listen to me, this is so important. In the court of heaven, in spiritual things, in dealing with God, the court of God recognizes the testimony of blood. Critical. Critical the blood the the court of god the court of heaven the justice system of heaven recognizes not eyewitnesses and expert witnesses but the testimony of blood is a valid testimony because it was upon the strength and the account of the testimony of abel's blood that god came and called the court to sit so therefore when the bible says to us in hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 24 That we have come to Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood, the blood, the testimony, all right, the witness of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So in the court of heaven today concerning you, there is another witness, and this one is the blood of Jesus, who is speaking on your behalf, who is saying, when the devil comes at you and throws accusation at you and says, well, you know, God, this is what she did. This is what he did. He doesn't deserve your blessings. He deserves your wrath and all that. The soul, that, you know, devil can quote the Bible. I hope you know that. The soul that sins must die and so on and so forth. There is a witness in heaven. It's called the blood of sprinkling, the blood of Jesus. And this blood speaks better things, not crying out for vengeance. It's crying out for mercy, saying that, this one has to be has to be has to be set free so you don't have any reason to feel condemnation because there is a witness in heaven that is speaking out in your favor it's the blood of jesus i don't know about you but i'm glad that the court of heaven recognizes blood as a witness and therefore the sacrifice of our lord jesus christ who is the mediator of a better covenant who is the propitiation for our sins all right who is the ultimate the lamb of god that was slain His blood forever speaks on our behalf in the courtroom of heaven. And that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 33, it says that who shall lay a charge against God's elect? Who? Who is the lawyer? Who is the prosecutor? All right? Who is the the, the person, the judge? Who would bring a charge against you? Who is God? The Bible says it is God who justifies who is he that condemns you what is it that brings condemnation to you it says it is christ who died not only did he die not only is his blood a witness in the court of heaven and forevermore is risen but not only that beyond that he is also seated at the right hand of the judge and forever and ever he's making intercession for you and i before the father so if for any reason the father, who's the judge, is not paying attention to the blood. He is seated at the right hand of the father, making intercession, pleading on your behalf, showing the blood, saying, look at my nail-pierced arms. That, do you remember that? This person has to be set free. Who is it that would lay a charge against you? No one. The Bible says it is God that justifies. It is God who condemns. is Christ who died condemnation is from the enemy it's from the enemy because the person who you've offended says we are okay we are okay so just because you feel guilty and if you remember nothing else today remember this just because you feel guilty does not mean that you're guilty just because you feel like you're guilty does not mean that you are guilty. The highest court in the land, of course, in the U.S., I mean, over the past month there about, there's been conversations around Supreme Court justices and things like that, and the nomination process and all that stuff. Because the highest court in the land is the Supreme Court, all right? The highest court that exists is the Court of Heaven. And in that court, in that Supreme, most Supreme Court, you have been justified. There's been a ruling on your life, and it's that you are justified. You are discharged you're acquitted, you're not guilty, no one, nothing can lay a charge against the elect of God. It is important that we understand that. The person whom you've committed a crime against says you are okay. And not only that, he's paid a price. Not only that, he forever makes intercession for you and I before the Father. He forever makes intercession for you and I before the Father. So, so, differences between conviction and con- condemnation, like I said. One, like Cain, drives you away from the presence of God. One drives you to God. Conviction would always draw you to God. In the case of Adam, he was hiding from God. That's condemnation. That's not conviction. All right? Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from Satan. It's not from the Holy Spirit. It's from Satan. Conviction draws you To the love of God, whereas condemnation magnifies the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Condemnation puts you at the center and says you have disappointed your Maker. How could you do that? All right? Can you call yourself a Christian and you speak in tongues and you're leading prayer tomorrow? How could you have done that? That's the voice of condemnation. And I pray that that voice is silenced in your life forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Conviction shows you the victory of the cross, condemnation shows you the failures of yourself. Conviction shows you the victory of the cross. Condemnation, though, it shows you the failures of yourself. One leads to life, and the other one leads to death. So stop letting the enemy play your soul like a violin. Stop letting the enemy play your soul like a yo-yo. Stop letting him play games with you. You know you have been justified. Who is it that would bring a charge before the elect of God? It is God that justifies and don't forget that just because you feel guilty does not mean that you are guilty you have been justified by God you've been justified by God so, so, so don't be that person who committed a crime the court says you're, you're not guilty and you go home and build yourself a prison and you put yourself through all the mental torture and physical torture of a person who should have been pronounced guilty it is God that justifies the most supreme court in all all existence is the supreme court of heaven and it has justified you so your conversation is i'm not guilty that's your hashtag not guilty you need to tell someone you are not guilty you have been justified you are justified and you're not guilty because you know what condemnation is so terrible it's around and you'll be around forever because sin is never going to completely go away um the only day you'll get perfect is the day that you see jesus and so you must master knowing what is condemnation and what is conviction anything that draws you away from god that brings shame upon you anything that makes you feel fearful anything that makes you feel deep regret and a sense of unworthiness that why should god bless me why should god hear my prayers why should god respond to my needs when i have just done that that's condemnation that comes from the enemy we need to deal with that quickly i want to tell you i want, I want to talk to you about two people all right that could were in very similar situations and how Their perspective and how they dealt with condemnation set them apart. So the Bible tells us about a man called Peter. Stay with me. Peter was one of the apostles. Previously, at first he was a disciple of Jesus, ultimately became an apostle. And Peter was a guy that had a very volatile emotional state. He was was an emotional guy. He he loved Jesus passionately, loved Jesus more than all the others. Um, He was also very vocal. He was a natural leader, as it were. (laughs) And at some point in Luke chapter 22, pay attention, the Bible says this in verse 31, that Jesus said to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Now listen to me very carefully. Peter, on two occasions, he makes a boast. He tells Jesus, Jesus, I am your only real disciple. All these other guys are phonies. I'm a gangster. I'm going to die with you. No one can separate the both of us. Jesus Christ said to them as soon as they had the Lord's Supper that tonight all of you will be made to stumble because of me. Peter said, forget it. They would all stumble but I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you because he really meant it. He really loved the Lord. And the Bible says that this guy who was a very emotional guy, he was so emotional he, when, when they came to arrest Jesus, he chopped off a guy's ear. All right, He had a temper. Speaks to his emotional state. When Jesus was arrested, indeed everybody scattered. Peter would indeed follow him All right a distance and he gets to a point where they ask him are you one of his disciples and peter says no i don't know him and they ask him a second time we're sure you are you you've seen you with him peter says i swear i don't know this dude the third time they say you even speak like him peter said listen if i know him let it not be well with me he starts to curse and says i don't know the dude and the bible says that a rooster crowed and he started to cry he had let Jesus down he had betrayed his master but don't forget that the Bible says Jesus had warned him and said listen Peter the enemy is coming for you all right but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail I have a feeling as a matter of fact I'm pretty sure that the prayers that Jesus offered for Peter was what saved him the truth is the prayers of Jesus did not stop Peter from sinning against God no 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 no. what it did for Peter was that it saved him from condemnation was that it drew him back because Jesus said to him that I have prayed for you all right that your faith should not fail but when you return to me that's conviction it brings you back to the master he says when you return to me make sure that you strengthen your brethren The prayer of Jesus was not that sin would not happen, that he would not sin. Because Jesus actually told him that you will deny me three times. It was that condemnation would not have root or take root in his heart. And that condemnation would not eventually drive him away from Jesus forever. So he says to him, I have prayed for you. And my prayer is that you will recover and you would come back to me. But you will fall. You will stumble. You will commit sin. You will make a mistake. You will deny me three times publicly the difference between peter and judas was condemnation because judas sold out his master for 30 pieces of silver and the bible says he actually felt bad he cried and he returned the money but he just could not deal with himself he couldn't live with what he had done and he went and killed himself so condemnation would always lead to death conviction would always lead to life are you going to be a peter or a judas are you going to be the person who sins against God and for the next four weeks, we don't see you in church? You can't even watch service anymore. You can't join your connect group because you are riddled, okay, with condemnation. Jesus said, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail you. And Peter was restored and Judas died. Condemnation would ultimately kill your spiritual life because it would drive you away from God. You will stop praying. You will stop worshipping. You will stay away from the word. Because it is coming from the enemy and the plan is to separate you. is to separate you completely. Separate you completely from God. That's what happened in the case of Judas. And he made, of course, a mistake that could never be rectified. He went and committed suicide. He killed himself. If you understand that condemnation would always lead to spiritual death, you would deal with it fast. Whenever you commit sin, whenever you you wrong the Lord, you would understand that there is a witness in heaven (laughs) <laughs> a recognized witness, in heaven, the blood of Jesus that's speaking better things on my behalf and that I have been justified. Who will lay a charge against the elect of God? To know how useless condemnation is, just look at the life of Paul. God takes a guy who was complicit in the murder of Christians, whose life's ambition was to lock christians in jail a terrorist and god says i'm going to use him i'm going to make him the greatest apostle so what have you done beyond what paul has done that makes you think that god is not okay with you or that god cannot still use you condemnation is nothing but a lie of the, end. the bible says he's the father of lies he's the father of lies there are many instances in the bible god takes paul paul though Paul who says that I am chief of sinners and makes him the greatest apostle. They bring a woman to Jesus. The Bible says that she is caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. Caught in the act. Now I don't know how you catch someone in the act of adultery and you don't catch the man, but they caught the woman. All right? Somehow they caught one person in the act. Brought her to Jesus and they wanted to condemn her. They're going to stone her to death. And Jesus ignores them for a little bit. And then he pays attention to the crowd and says let he who's without sin cast the first song and everybody goes And the woman John chapter 8 and verse 10 the Bible says Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one but the woman was left he said to her woman where are those accusers of yours has no one condemned you she said no Lord Jesus said to her neither do I condemn you go and sin no more I don't condemn you either go and sin no more one of the thieves at the side of Jesus the last breath he had <laughs> was to receive salvation, and Jesus received him into His kingdom. He says, "Today you shall be with me in paradise." Don't be a Judas. Don't be a Cain. Don't leave the presence of the Lord because you have wronged. Because what Cain did was, Bible says, he left the presence of the Lord and he became a complete non-entity in all of Scripture. We never heard from him again, and built a city and all that east of Eden. He left the presence of the Lord because of condemnation god's objective is always to bring you back to himself the enemy's objective is always to turn you away from god by playing a violin with your soul telling you that you're not worthy telling you that you're guilty telling you that god will not accept you telling you that you're not good enough telling you that you will never be perfect but guess what we are made perfect by the blood of jesus bible says even if your sins are as red as scarlet They shall become as white as snow. There is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Our text says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You need to firm it up in your mind. And this is what you need to remember. That only what God says about you is true. As a matter of fact, what you say about yourself is a lie. Because the Bible says that let God be true, and every man a liar. Of course the devil is a liar, but even men are liars, including yourself. Only what God says about you is true. And what does he say? He says you're justified. He says you're righteous. He says you're holy. He says you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar person. He says that you're worth the ultimate sacrifice, and that you've been justified. Wherever you are, bow your heads with me today. Today, I want to pray a prayer of liberty for everyone here. I ask you, Jesus, that every spirit of condemnation, lying spirits, speaking to the hearts of men, telling them that they are worthless, telling them that God cannot use them, telling them, O oh God, that you are angry with them. I silence those voices. I ask, Father, that the Holy Spirit would do a work that turns us around and brings us back to you. Every time, every time that we'll find our way back to you. The only person who cannot be saved is the person whose turn is back on you. But as long as we turn back to you and we come right back home, you are always, you are that Father who runs to meet us halfway. And say, welcome home, my son. So I silence the voice of condemnation. I pray for deliverance today from condemnation. I pray, Father, that lying spirits be silenced in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Father, that your grace will be magnified above our wrongs, that your mercy, O God, that the reality of your mercy will be imprinted upon our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ, and that everything that the enemy is throwing at us to make us, O God, spiritually self-harm, that those weapons will not prosper in the name of Jesus Christ, and that you you oh god you will draw us back to yourself that like you did for peter you said i have prayed for you that your faith will not fail my prayer for your people today is that their faith will not fail in the name of jesus christ oh god and that when they are converted that you will draw other people to themselves so i pray for conversion in the name of jesus and if you're here you've never given your heart to jesus you've never made a decision for the lord you've been in church or you maybe you were a Christian you walked with God and then you fell into old habits and condemnation drove you far away from God speaking to you right now that Jesus knocks at the door of your heart if you would accept him today he would come in and he would be with you wherever you are make a decision right now don't hesitate he's not angry there is a witness who's speaking on your behalf there is a witness whose objective is not to condemn you but to speak to your defense And He is an intercessor at the right hand of the Father. You want to accept His sacrifice today. You want to fall into that category of people that His blood covers. Wherever you are, make a decision. Make a decision right this moment. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.